Welcome to West of MLK, Revealing Suibo. Beyond the Wire, where we introduce you to the amazing people making Southwestern Baltimore a great place to live, work, and visit. Listen to the voices of the community, discussing what's happening on this side of MLK and topics relevant to everyone. So this is West of MLK. I'm Jim. I'm Laura. I'm Nicole. And we have with us Dom and Don. Yep. All right. Eight, eight. Eight, eight. You want to introduce yourselves a little bit? Uh, so I'm Dominic uh, Carter, um, one of the owners of Rip Canvas Tattoo Shop and Artist Social Club, uh, Canvas Cartel Printing and Apparel, and uh, I guess CNVS. Uh, barbershop and lifestyle, uh, right. right on Washington Boulevard. Picked down Main Street, and my name's Donovan, by the way, and I'm the yin to the yang of this guy right here. Don and Dom, I guess, or Donovan and Dominic, so get us confused, because they do it all day for us. And I can't say it better, you know. We're trying to make it happen. We've been in Picktown since 2016, and we've been operating since 2011, still growing every day and looking forward to you know, brighter things in the future. We actually tried to come down here, what, 2014? 14. 14. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you all started, uh, you got everything but lunch there now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, and that uh, might be coming soon. <laughs> honestly. No liquor license, but you started out cutting hair. Is that the deal? Yeah. So I, I started cutting hair, um, whew, I don't even know what year that was. Now I actually went to, that was the first time I like really spent some time in the neighborhood. That's back when uh, Cy Vera's uh, International School of Hair Design was right there on Pratt and yeah. uh, Stricker Street. Uh, and that was years and years ago. And uh, I kind of stumbled upon it tattooing through a friend of mine uh, and got into tattooing through some buddies of mine, uh, a guy named Chris Pecker and Danny Bayron. They used to be, ha uh, Chris owned a shop named Concrete Jungle. They're in Columbia now, but they were on Frederick Road. And they uh, they helped me along uh, tremendously as uh, far as like learning the craft and um, but yeah, barbering was was my foundation of uh, financial independence, I should say, not working for like a, a nine to five or something like that. So yeah, that's yeah. that's where it all started. And then uh, you did that for a couple of years or or just. Uh Got a tattoo one day and said, hey, I'd like to do that. How'd no, that, no. That so I, I, I had a buddy named uh, Dustin who had moved back from Seattle. And uh, he was out there messing with one of his crazy women that he deals with. And he popped back up. And he's like, man, I want you to tattoo me. And I was like, bro, I don't know nothing about tattooing. I mean, I had drew all my life. I was in, like, art specialty programs and stuff like that. And... Uh, I remember as a kid, I wanted to be in the comic books, but, you know, I kind of abandoned a life in art because, you know, in the 90s and in, in, in early 2000s, like to, to, to live off art, that was kind of like unheard of, you know. And um, honestly, he had got, his, I think he got his dad to buy him a, 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 some equipment. And then after about, I'd say about a month, he got me to, to try it uh, with really no guidance outside of maybe early YouTube kind of 
And uh, from the first time I did it, I was kind of addicted uh, to trying to get it right. It was like, oh my God, like I want to do this again. Can I do it better? Can I do it better each time? And it kind of grew from there. I, I actually never worked at a tattoo shop outside of my own, hmm. really. Um, so we did that. Chris and Danny kind of took me under their wing. They, they really didn't apprentice me, but they, they let me come in here, hang out. And then uh, Don was doing promotions uh, down in Miami. And uh, one day I had called him and said, yo, I got this idea. Let's start a tattoo shop. Now, my dad had owned a building on uh, South Pulaski Street in Wilkins, right off like by Christian. And uh, after me, my dad said none of his kids would go to uh, public school again. So his funds were limited because all my siblings went to private school. So this building had been sitting for about 10 years and it needed a lot of work. I mean, I mean, from the foundation up and... Uh, I went in there and uh, for about a year, two years, I went straight from the barbershop to putting this building together. I mean, I, I remember one time me and Don were in there painting before we got the heat on and uh, the the damn, the, the paint was freezing on the wall as we were rolling it out. It was that cold in there. So we wind up, you know, after about a year or so, we got it up rolling. And uh, we didn't know nothing about running a business. We didn't know nothing about tattooing. And uh, we got this thing like rolling. Like it was kind of rough. And then it started really taking off. We had hooked up with uh, some people and started throwing some after hour parties and tattoo parties. And it, and it got kind of crazy. It got to the point where like the police kicked the door in and uh, they kind of shook us down. And then uh, that was the end of that. So. After that, uh, we had met some guys from out of Texas, uh, some of my cholo homies. I actually had spoke to one last night, my homie Mickey. And um, we had been hanging out at the tattoo convention, befriended these guys. And over two, three years, we had kind of like showed them around Baltimore, showing the spots to like do their thing and hang out. And then one day they called us like, yo, y'all getting pretty good. You want to come down to North Carolina and do a tattoo convention? So we were like, yeah, hell yeah. So we, we jumped on the road, and from there, we had tr for the next few years after that, we had traveled all over the United States. We went, to, we went to Germany and Holland and tattooed. And over that time, I got like a lot of lessons. It became better and better. Uh, Design-wise, we got into, you know, we were already making shirts, but we started just like networking, and really, it started kind of taking off. So in like 2014, we had wound up wanting to come to Pigtown. Uh, we had met with um, Mark. Who, who owns the space? It was where the, uh, what was it? The, uh, Charm City Books. Yeah, where Charm City Books was. And uh, we had to give like a, a presentation to the board. At this time, the casino was coming in, so they, they were on the board and they approved us. But then Mark said, hey, you know, we want you closed by eight o'clock. And we was like, whoa, what kind of tattoo shop closed by eight o'clock? <laughs> so we, we waited. And then eventually, uh, three years later, in 2017, officially, we started in 16. We got the contract in 16, but we opened up in 17. Um, we came in, we opened up at 801, and uh, Pigtown really took to us, and we really, I mean, to come in, I mean, it was some tough, it was some struggle, but we it really took off. A year after that, the money we had invested, um, it was, at the time it was called Our, uh, Our Spot, mm -hmm. we got Oscar, he had a barbershop and uh, he was, he, he, I'm not sure if he, you know, he, he was, wasn't doing as well as he hoped or he wanted to leave it. So then we bought that. We wanted to buy in the barbershop, changing that, 
And then a year after that, we wind up investing like, uh, I want to say like $30,000 into the printing to start printing our own clothing. And then we started printing for other companies and it just kind of, you know, took off into where we are now. That's cool. So the, so the, the art thing was always there in the background and that's kind of the seed for everything. For yeah, 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 yeah. Don has a... Uh, has a degree in fine arts and um, what is it? What is it? Uh, I got a bachelor of fine art, and mm-hmm. that was the whole idea. We modeled the brand as a, the artist social club. Okay, ripped mm-hmm. canvas, the artist social club. Mm-hmm. So you from Maryland Institute? No, I'm not. I'm actually a Jersey boy okay. from well, Monmouth University. I heard that earlier. <laughs> Wildwood. I know you guys party in the summer, but uh, <laughs> but yeah. So the artist social club was the umbrella. And then tattoo was like the tattoo artist is the rock star of all mm-hmm. yeah. professional artists. Yeah. You know, be- photographers they struggle, graphic designers they struggle, full time painters they're going to struggle. A tattoo artist they're they're working all day every day. Yeah. I, I yeah. see a lot of tattoo shops. I don't have any ink because well, was, I'm afraid of needles. Yeah. But I see them all over the place, and I know they're not going out of business because it's always the same yeah. places. Well, there's we, always more. When we opened up, we just renewed our license. When we opened up, it was only five shops in the city. Mm-hmm. Now they said they're like 30. Really? Well, mm-hmm. fellas, we're going to have to address his fear of needles because it's not the same thing. No, no, it's not. It's more of a... Because I'm terrified of needles. And I've it's more annoying. It's more annoying. <laughs> yeah. If you can deal with a bee sting, you can get a tattoo. Now, my oldest kid has a bunch of them, and she you know, advocates it all the time, but I'm not... I haven't tried. We'll get you there, Jim. But it's socially more accepted than when we yeah. were younger. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, all, yeah. You're literally you looked at as a professional now. Mm-hmm. You know, as opposed to some guy that works at the shop where the bikers hang out. Yeah. I can't wait to walk in the doctor's office and see my doctor got his hands tattooed. I think I trust him a little bit more. For sure. <laughs> Actually, the most well-respected uh, physician in Philadelphia is a neuroscientist, and I used to uh, eat lunch with him, and he was fully tattooed from the military. Nice. And he had to constantly explain, being as old as he was, I mean, he was, at the time, probably 50, mm-hmm. and this is in the 90s. Mm. And he had to constantly explain it wasn't a lifestyle. It's just something he liked, you know? Yeah. And, and now that, that, that now it's even cooler to be tattooed yeah. than it isn't. So well, it's the ultimate, come a long way, baby. It's the ultimate statement, man. I mean, people don't realize, I mean, that's one of the actually shows we, we're, we're working on to bring to social media is that we want to tattoo entrepreneurs and because the tattoo is your story. That's your stamp. That's your burning of the bridge. It's the no going back. It's the it's the final. It's on you permanently. So mm-hmm. if you get it tattooed, you got to live up to it. You know, that's why we tell people don't get their significant other names unless you got at least a decade in, you know? Well, I, got a, I have our logo, sort of. Yeah. But I didn't get it exactly. Because everybody says that the, the biggest bad luck thing you can do is get your business logo tattooed on you. And I was like, oh, could you just tweak it a little? I don't need that kind of I think that's karma. for people. I think that's for people <laughs> who are quitters. Oh. Well, it'll, you, know, you can fix it then, right? We talked about front prices. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you, like I always tell people, man, uh, one of our slogans we, we, we go with is um, persistence overrides resistance. Hmm. So it's like you got to be relentless in being an entrepreneur. Like you're going to get everything you, you, you're going to get everything thrown at you. You know, people who work nine to fives, they don't kind of, it's a different mindset. It is no plan B. Plan A, I mean, plan B is making plan A work. You, you know what of I'm course. saying? So it's yep. like, there is, when you're an entrepreneur, you believe in your brand, it's what can I do? You have to be flexible, uh, but there's no turning back. You know, if you, if you, if you believe in what you're doing, other people aren't going to see it. It's like being a sculptor and... When the sculptor pulls out this marble brick, 
he sees the statue before anybody else sees it. True. So every chisel that he makes, you know, that's unveiling another part of his vision. And it's not to the statue is completely done that people are like, oh, then they're running up and they're all over. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. But he saw it before anybody else see it. And that's kind of like the mindset you got to have to be an entrepreneur. Especially, especially here in what Baltimore. you're doing. I mean, you, you're not done chiseling. No, no, no. I love, man. Listen, that's, I think that's uh, me and Don's addiction, <laughs> you, you know, uh, starting projects and seeing them through and. We're always working on something new. Like I, I was telling you downstairs, we we filmed a TV show a couple years, like a, like a year ago, and um, we got signed to a production company, and now we're trying to get that on air to somebody. I mean, I might wind up being a, 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 a you know an internet sensation. We're, we're trying to figure that out now, but I mean, what a, as a, as a creator, uh, and people create in many ways. You create it in like your business. You've seen the vision. And what more satisfying than seeing that come to life where you can touch it, you know? And I'm okay. that part is the part that I, I think we're addicted to because, like, and the five people that arrive with you on that, like, Don is my, this is my co-pilot. Like, when I, when I come to here, it could be crazy. He's like, let's do it, you know? So it's like, <laughs> you never know where you're going to go and people are always going to be, you know, most people deal off fear. The entrepreneur deals off faith. And I don't mean that in like a religious way. I mean faith in yourself to, 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 to do it. And uh, I mean, I just I love creating, man. Seeing these ideas and things come to life, man. That's the. I, I wouldn't want to live any other way. I don't. I don't know how other people do it. It would drive me crazy. So you 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 now have you can go down there and get a haircut, mm-hmm. pick up a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Got any other apparel down there? So yeah, we used to work with other brands and stuff. Right now, we're focusing on us uh, only because it becomes a, a managing thing and because we're juggling so many. Uh, we only really want to work with brands who are in it, you know? So many people want to teeter on entrepreneurship and, and uh, success is something that you got to get up and get to every day. And people don't people don't really understand that. Uh, you have to go, when you wake up, it's like, how do I eat today? You know, so I have to do these series of tasks to eat. So when you're working with different brands, if they don't have the same drive and same ethics that we have, uh, it's hard to. And in life, you know, just in life in general. So we try to limit that. And right now we're focused on us. Uh, but we do work with some cool brands, a brand named Hoodoo. Uh, um, that wasn't interrupting. Uh, <laughs> we, no, we... we um, I specifically we're, wrote we're super, it down, no, yeah. Jim. We're super cool with a bunch of brands, um, okay. like City of God. Because they, cause they yeah. are going to come in and, and do Yeah, yeah. Do no, stuff. City of God's are dope. Actually, they've been around a long time, and that was one of the uh, companies we looked at. And uh, I don't want to say model our stuff, actually, but admire mm-hmm. uh, yeah. to be a local brand. There might and even have, have a, been a little mentorship in there. Yeah, early yeah, days. for sure, for they're, sure. They're, yeah, we're, we're very we, close with them. We, 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 obviously, we work right mm-hmm. across the street from them, but... No, I mean, I just, the problem with, the reason why I wrote it down for all of you who are listening at home is that I didn't want to bring up if there was contention. No, 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 no right. contention, no okay. contention. But um, sometimes, you know, in the industry. Yeah. No, it, no, we always, they were actually uh, super tight with uh, a little cousin of mine who passed away. And uh, I've always had a lot of admiration for them and their uh, brand and what they're doing in the city, man. I mean. To, to come out with your own idea and 
be sustainable as many years as they have, it's, it's nothing but respect from us. Great. It's perfect. No. Yeah, that's total truth. And then there are other brands, too, Ethan, out, out there. You know, you got to look at Baltimore as a city that's more contained. These people out here, they, they don't care what New Yorkers are doing. They don't care what Philly is doing. They want to do what Baltimore's doing. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of independent brands, a lot of creative, young and up-and-coming guys, and guys that have been around for 10, 20 years. Mm-hmm. So for us to be in the same annals as those guys, we would yeah. love to shake hands and yeah. collaborate with any of those brands yeah. out there because that's what was the Artist Social Club was all about. Mm-hmm. Whether we created it in-house or we partnered up. One of the good brands we work with is, like, uh, is my buddy, my name Phoebe. He has a brand called Good Villain. Hmm. We love. He's always got this super sick designs. I mean, just the name alone, I'm yeah, kind of jealous. I didn't think of it first. <laughs> I was like, God, that's such a good name. Um, uh, we work with a company named Hoodoo. Uh, he was one of our early supporters to come in and work with us. Uh, a, a brand named Royalty that I've known for a while. We we work with them. I mean, uh, I really, I mean, honestly, that was the whole idea behind Rip Cam. So like Rip Cam is the name itself is we we say it's the. Uh, foundation of the imperfect masterpiece you know it's a brilliant name. you know so like when you when you think of a canvas most people think of just like you know blank white surface you know but all of us don't get to start with a blank white surface <laughs> we, you know we get to start with a brick wall or we get to start with some wood or we get to start with anything and we make that our masterpiece so sure. that's where the name so the idea was to unify a bunch of the brands in the city and uh, bring together our resources to go get bigger equipment uh, to become not only um, uh, just doing things in-house, become like a manufacturing powerhouse. You know, pull your resources, bring my... I have a DTG machine. I got like four presses. I have a a sprayer. Like bring... If you got a a, a, um, embroidery machine, you bring with that. And then that is our ultimate goal is to bring manufacturing here to Baltimore with and controlled by the brands uh, to be able to bring some other people's... Because you got so many people out here just creative but don't know. They don't have a hub to go to to get their idea off the ground. True. And then a lot of artists who, do, who are creative, they don't know the business side. So how do you unify that? How do you bring that so they don't get in bed with somebody that's going to fuck them over or... How do you unify that to where you're making sure you're giving them the resources to get their brands out to uh, the masses and stuff like that? So that was the ultimate, ultimate goal of Rip Canvas outside of just giving super sick tattoos. <laughs> so I'm, I'm lining up uh, Dominic's shirt there and I'm thinking about some of the stuff you're saying and he's got the um, soup cans on his shirt yeah. for those of you at home who can't see. Um, and I'm right here and I can't see that far. So um, <laughs> vaguely reminiscent of Andy Andy Warhol's mm-hmm. factory. Yeah, that's what you're talking. Yeah, about. yeah, is, is that, that was the inspiration. Yeah. It, oh, that, really? Yeah, okay. yeah. A hundred percent. So you got a little factory going on down there. I mean, that's bringing yeah. in the artist community and going, just uh, we're going to try to do same you know? soup just up. reheated. That's yeah. what I call it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, t- I mean, even with the Pyrex, I mean, uh, that's one of our logos. We mm-hmm. flipped it. You know, it's known for bacon and known for. Many things, if you were born in the 80s, you know what a Pyrex was used oh, yeah. for. But, you know, we flipped it and said, hey, what are you cooking up? You know? Uh, like what ingredients are you putting in it to, to make what you want happen? So that's that's how we look at it. Uh, and that's why we always, you know, because when you're in the shop, that's your kitchen. You, you you whipping up, you know? 
chefs bring all the good things in life that we love. Sometimes us, we love it more than we should. You know what I'm saying? But uh, what are you cooking up? What are you trying to put together? What are you trying to? What is your staple? You trying to leave on this life before they, you know, put you in the ground? And that's that's who we want. We want to work with the creatives, and we want to keep creating. We're gonna do everything we can not to go back to working a nine to five. No doubt. <laughs> I started a podcast, dude. <laughs> the creatives come in your shop and you work with them, and then what's the shopping experience? Somebody comes in and. Uh, and uh, maybe they're interested in a tattoo. Maybe they're interested in a shirt. Maybe they're interested in some pants. What's what's the shopping experience like for, for somebody like that? Uh, so we put customer service above anything, you know. Uh, I mean, that's the one thing, I, especially with a tattoo shop, when you talk to a lot of shops. Um, and, and I understand why, but, you know, for us uh, coming in, my first thought was, like, customer service. I, all my artists know it. Uh, my guys at the barbershop know it because uh, people don't have to give you their business. So generally when they're coming in, you know, we're greeting them, uh, asking if they want something to drink, we got complimentary sodas and, well, we don't do soda, we do sparkling water because that's what we drink. Mm -hmm. You know, we tend to give people what we like. So we do a lot of water and sparkling waters and, you know, we'll have shirts plastered up everywhere. We actually have, you know, signs saying that we do custom work. So, I mean, it really depends on where they're coming for. I mean, a lot of people come and get a tattoo and. You know, the good thing about having your merch right there with, while you're tattooing and they're stuck with you for an hour or two and they're like, looking around. man, I've been looking at that shirt for an hour, man. You know, I hope you got my size. Same thing with a haircut. We, we really did well once we put the clothing shop inside the barbershop because people are already in the mindset of getting fresh, getting clean. So they're sitting there getting a haircut and they're staring at the apparel, you know, and they're generally about to go out somewhere. It's a Friday and they're like, Hey man, you got something to match this? Let me let me get this shirt. Let me get this hat. And really, far as the pearl side, that's really pushed us. Uh, so you where, come in and get a whole look. Yeah, you can come and get a whole yeah. look. You now, know, are you male centric for a barber? Are you a traditional barber shop or? Well, ladies come in there every day. Yeah, that's a, they do. Mm-hmm. That's the question because we've got a couple of barber shops around town yeah, that sure. just are mostly for, you know men yeah and some women just don't need the salon experience so, yeah I mean, yeah sometimes you just want to get a haircut and well, it's nice they come in and they yeah. ask just like that do you guys mm-hmm. yeah oh, yeah. yeah well i don't do any layering traditionally barber seems male right barber school i'm gonna be honest with you don't trust me with your layers so I, you can no, see no, no, I there's not much to I, I, I don't know people <laughs> touch my hair so we're good but i've got but, one but, layer <laughs> barely but uh, too soon um, no, I just think the barber shop is such an interesting concept and culture because, you know, when you think barber, you think, you know, th- there was two movies made out of it. Maybe a third. I wasn't paying attention. I don't know. But it's, a, you know, where men meet and men get their hair cut. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like we're, we're, we're coming so far away from those stereotypes. Right? Yes. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I mean, if, from the black perspective, like we used to call it, you know, the barbershop the black man's country club. 100%. You know, so... <laughs> Uh, I mean, while we are not just indifferent to that, then we still try to create that that vibe where you can come and Slank talk sure. and, you know, you can say your piece and enjoy yourself. I mean, sometimes you get out of hand, but <laughs> fortunately, we've gotten a lot better with that, you know, to try to leave politics and things out of the sure. barbershop. But, I mean, you definitely want everybody to feel comfortable. The world is changing. Every day. Uh, every day. Um, as a person born in the 1980s, you know, Sometimes they, I got to get corrected, you know. So I mean, people born in two thousand can drink legally now. I know it's it's crazy, <laughs> it's insane. Wow. Uh, uh, where whereas though you know, and not to go off topic, you know, 
just like I had a lot, I was blessed to have a great dad who taught me a lot of lessons. And I always say like a, you know, a flower, every flower got waiting a season to bloom. It was lessons that he gave me that I didn't learn too much later because it wasn't my time to learn them. And I look at the young generation the same way. Uh, I'm proud of them in the way they, they move forward. And, but I, I understand without trying to debate with them that it's going to be a lot of lessons they're not going to learn until it's time for them to learn them, you know? Yeah, but us too, right? Oh, every day. Right? Every day. I learn from, from people younger and older than me every day. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. hundred percent. One is drink more water. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't learned that yet. Yeah. <laughs> stay, stay with me, guys. Okay. Yeah. How, how did a, a Jersey boy end up hanging out in Baltimore? So uh, <laughs> me and Dominic, we are family. My grandfather is his great-grandfather's, or his great-grandfather and my grandfather are brothers. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I've known his dad since his dad was a teenager. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, can imagine all the summertime cookouts, the little Thanksgivings, you know. So you know how to eat crab. You know, I remember him when he was like three, four years old, and I was like, come on, eat no crab. Oh, yeah. Me, I'm allergic. Yeah, so I literally had to sit in the other room. Hives or something. It's been a while, so yeah, no. my wife's got that. Yeah. It, isn't that the worst? It is the worst. It's terrible. But I'm I love sorry. Baltimore for that reason. I've come here all my life and obviously that is one of the memorable reasons mm -hmm. to come down for the barbecue and have to sit in the other room. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but, uh, the barbecue in Maryland always involves crabs and you gotta have it, you know. So I get over it quick, you know. But I, I know I gotta pace myself when it comes to, you know, going to all the different seafood race restaurants, and I gotta tell him right away about my allergy because he'd be fine once you get a hamburger. He'd be okay. Hamburger. <laughs> you show me chicken. a good burger in Baltimore. Uh, it's some good burgers here in Baltimore. I mean, yeah, honestly, my favorite restaurant in Baltimore is the food right. market down in Hamden. That's my buddy. Mm -hmm. That's my buddy, my buddy Chad. Actually, the show I told you, he was one of the guests on there. Okay. And did some film. But uh, that's my personal favorite restaurant in Baltimore. I I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of a little indifferent to Baltimore. I've been all a bunch of places. I've had a lot of good food. But I got to go blue on you, mm -hmm. though. One of the best burgers is at uh, Millstream, which is a strip club. Yeah, Millstream. Mill, that's so funny. Yeah. I, like, I always forget about Millstream. <laughs> Monday Mill night is half price burgers. I, can I take, need to I go out there, man. Uh, I, I forgot about Millstream. Millstream is so up in the burgers. cut that I always forget oh, that it's me there. Me too. Me too. But I have men in my life that do not forget it's there. Okay. Yeah. That's how they get me there. I, I got to go. I haven't been there in a long, long time. I mean, years. Burgers years are good. Oh, you said Monday? Monday night half price burger. That is my day off. So I will be seeing myself there. We're on it. So, um, so the, the, this podcast, uh, first couple episodes is focused on the African-American community and, and, and the entrepreneurship therein. Mm -hmm. And um, what, what's that experience for you um, relative to maybe some white people, you know, that have done something similar or just what, what hardships do you feel like you faced? Um, what, what, what has been easier for you because of uh, your, your cultural situation? So I don't know if entrepreneurship itself has been easier in any route. I was blessed to have two parents that were entrepreneurs, so I, I got some insight from them. Uh, we don't always agree, but I, I get to have some insight on some things. The, the, I think the biggest thing with black entrepreneurship is information and access to information. Counters. Uh, meaning like, even with my parents being entrepreneurs, they, they are first generation entrepreneurs. Well, my great grandfather was, but he's gone, long gone. But uh, 
the information may vary. Mm-hmm. So like when I go and I have a question about something, it's, it's harder to have a series of people to guide me. So a lot of times you're kind of shooting in the dark. Um, you might have a dim light, but you're shooting pretty much in the dark. That I think being a black entrepreneur, that is the the hardest part in just having knowing what to believe uh, from where, where I, to get an honest answer. Yeah, and I mean from like into the nitty gritty. Right. I'm talking about once you start getting like, you know, building it is not easy, but for me, I thrive at that part. Like I can build the fuck out this shit. The other part is taxes, write off, bookkeeping. Uh, how do I, you know, um, managing? You know, managing was a whole nother part that I had never really understood and I was trying to play all these different roles and I'm trying to be the likable boss and I'm trying to be the stern boss <laughs> and coincide and not understanding that really in a uh and I'm sure you can attest to this when you're in your business it's harder because like it was things in corporate America I didn't understand when I worked in corporate America now I understand them you have to have a uh not so, how do I say this? Like a, a, another level between you and the people that work for you. 100%. And when you work for yourself the way we do, we don't always have the money to pay that person to be the in-between person. So everything goes straight to us. Mm-hmm. So you're the you're the nice guy, you're the good guy. And the other part is people don't realize when you're an entrepreneur, and this is of any color and creed, that it all comes down to you. So if they're not going to come, they're, gonna, they're sick, they're not going to come here, you have to do it. But far as being a, a black, like I said, my biggest Achilles heels, information, knowing where to go, uh, and doing it long enough, because it's a cultural thing. So you take different cultures who've been in business, like their parents was in business, they just that and the third. Like any other cultures, they adapt to it very early, very easy. When you get to the point where you realize the things that you have to do or the mindset that you have to do to run a business, sometimes it's a little like unsettling. You're like, fuck, I got to be this guy. Like, right. And it's not that you don't like the people or love them. It's that business is money. Sure. I mean, it's your passion. But none of it, none of it comes without money. Like if I don't pay the light bill here, you don't pay the light bill at home. I don't right. pay my light bill at home. And some people just don't get that because it's hard for them. So especially when you're in your own community and you're building these things and you're dealing with people, though, uh, the, once you've crossed over in, in the mindset, uh, everybody don't understand you. You start mm-hmm. to feel alone in a lot of ways. Um, but far as outside of that, like I said, information is the most. The only other thing is that People walk in and not thinking I own it, which is fine with me. It's pretty funny, actually. You know, I've had them walk in and walk past me to like some to some white guy. They work, yeah. The white people that work for me, you know, the white people that work for me, and they say, "You must be the boss," and they're like, "No, he's the boss," and they and they're like, "Oh, okay," and I'm like, well, "That's cool. Don't don't worry about it." You know, it's I, you know, I don't take it personal because you know sometimes I show up to work in my sweats and my you know my flip flops and you know I don't really if listen. If I gotta be the boss, that means you're not doing what you need to be doing. I hate being the boss. Like I, no, I mean, well, that's, but you you do have to be the boss because 
You, you hire somebody, you say, I'm going to show up at noon because I'm going to yeah. work till midnight tonight. Can you open up at 10 o'clock? And they show up at 10 minutes to yeah. noon. That's a problem. Yeah. Sometimes I got to make Don the bad guy, though, because he's the other boss, even though he he forgets sometimes. I'm he doesn't Don. seem like the good bad guy. He seems like he might be a little meaner. He's quiet. I know how to put on the mask. Yeah. 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 So let me ask you a question about information. Uh-huh. Uh, um, given the current situation, you say information is not um, necessarily as disseminated in, in, mm-hmm. in certain cultures. So mm-hmm. there were, and this is one thing that I did with a lot of friends of mine, I was tapped in because we started business before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people of color grants were coming out and a lot of just monies were being allocated mm-hmm. for women for um Mm -hmm. for black owned businesses Mm -hmm. and i'm reaching out to people that never would have gotten that information ever right so why as a white business owner do i know more Mm -hmm. about grants being provided to Mm -hmm. black owned companies Mm -hmm. than you do right like how why are the people in charge of disseminating this information it's so frustrating because you know our previous previous guest brandy Mm -hmm. you know she had no idea and Mm -hmm. she's active all the time, mm-hmm. always looking on the internet. It's not like she's sitting in mm-hmm. a, a corner doing nothing, so, right? I think that's a twofold question. I mean, honestly, I think so. It's I'll give two answers. I to like that. I like that. So one is, I was very blessed to be working very closely with Pigtown Main Street sure. uh, Main, uh, Main Street Association. I've worked with them from the beginning. I worked with Ben when he was there. Oh yeah, and then now Kim and. All positive influences. Yeah, they they were really great in sending out a lot of information to me. And I was blessed to have a wife who understands (laughs) that to help me fill out a lot because that's really not my forte. Like, I can talk the game. I can build it. I can tattoo. I can do all this cool stuff. That is not my forte. I was very blessed to have a wife to help me do that, right? So, the biggest thing I see with things like that is that fear on both sides. I see fear from the black entrepreneur of diving into the people with their community who have them out of fear of not one maybe being accepted or not being in a position where it's like going to a party and not knowing anybody. You know, that's the best way I can describe it. So as a black entrepreneur, I moved in. I'm used to doing things myself because that's how society has set it up and I'm doing it on my own. I see these other businesses, I see these other things, but I don't know anybody. So I'm at this party and I got invited to this party and I'm I'm at the table, but I don't know anybody. So I'm afraid to kind of talk and mingle and receive it, you yeah, know? But how as a hostess do I get you the information to right. come so, into this party? So that was the other side. The other side is fear from the other side of in today's society being fearful of one not saying the right thing you know everybody's so how do you say it uh politically politically correct correct. (laughs) you you know what i'm saying which is crazy uh and i think they hesitate to to dive into go into some of these places with the black businesses because they just don't know and there's a miscommunication on both ends. Now, on both sides, if there's more of a willing to communicate and 
if you want me to be a thousand percent honest, I think black businesses need you to hold their hand a little bit more too, because they don't know. No, you that's know? So it's really scary to like when you get to talking about numbers and grants and you know, understanding all the terminology. And some people need just to hold their hand and be like, look, like when you didn't understand something in school and this teacher told you stay after and then you got it because they they broke it down on the one on one. That is what a lot of black businesses need. I'll speak for myself. That's what I need sometimes to like break it down on the one on one because the one is, is one to hear the information. It's, it's another thing to have somebody really explain it to you. It's and a you difficult have a clear, process, even yeah. for, for anybody. Yeah. Like, for, forget yeah. color, race, mm-hmm. ethnicity, yeah. so, anything. No, one of the things that you, you, you bring up a really good point and kind of something I was thinking about asking now, I definitely have to ask <laughs> it, is so you go out in the counties and you go to some of the small towns, Havre Grace or Bel Air or okay. Annapolis or something like that, you walk into the planning office, say, hey, I'm thinking about, I've got this I've got this building, I'm, I'm renting it or I just bought it, um, mm-hmm. and I'm looking for, uh, to put whatever kind of business mm-hmm. in there. And someone in the planning office will spend a half a day with you and say, these are the grants that are available, this is what you can do. Mm-hmm. My gut feeling is if you come into the city and you try to ask somebody those questions, they don't answer the phone and if you leave a message they don't call you back yeah I mean unfortunately the guys on this troop the city's all fucked up for us oh for everybody uh, though <laughs> to, to, you know from the parking authorities to, right to, no, and, to, and, to, and this is yeah my limited experience in dealing no, with no, the city 100%. is if someone calls you back yeah oh so, happy day the honest, the honest to god the truth is I think in my, in my, and it's not a black thing this is just like no, it's, it's, this is just a universal thing for us business I my honest honest opinion I think whoever they put in charge in Baltimore for us dealing with businesses and opening businesses, I think they need to have a business background, an entrepreneur background, mm-hmm. because uh, <clears throat> there is so much uh, non, nobody communicates. So like, even like when I just transferred the tattoo shop in the bar shop, I switched them, I just switched the spaces. Right. It was not easy. Had to get inspections. Uh, first, I, so first, you have to get, uh, like, you have to go down to use and occupancy. Then you have to talk to building. Building doesn't talk to use and occupancy. Then you have to go to the health department. Health department doesn't talk to these people. So there has to be a system in place where you can kind of streamline everything because they're making it a, a nightmare uh, for businesses in Maryland on top of the taxes. I mean, yeah. if you want me to be honest with you, like, I remember a few years ago, New York had launched this thing. It was like, bring your business to New York. You'll get like 10 years of tax free. Mm-hmm. Baltimore needs something like that. Cause they have it for businesses that don't need it. Yeah. They, they, if you, if you wanted to open up a, a, a factory selling, you know, making potato chips, they'll hook you up. Yeah. If you want to build a stadium for this, get yeah. used for eight yeah. games a year. Yeah. They'll hook you up with some help. But that doesn't make but, a city. That's crazy. No. West of MLK to me, is the last gym, uncut gym, in Baltimore City. Oh, yeah. You know. Amen. You can walk to the harbor. Ten minutes. Uh, if you get on a bike and you got some athleticism to yourself, you can ride to Canton in uh, uh, you 20 can, minutes. You can be in Hamden in right. Charles Village yeah. in 20 minutes. So you're right off 295. Yeah, you can get it. straight to D.C. Mm-hmm. You can get to Arundel Mills. 15 minutes um, from the airport. Yeah, 15 <laughs> minutes from the airport. 
to me, and, and this is the God's on truth, because not only do I own two storefront businesses mm-hmm. in Pigtown, I also live in Pigtown. Mm-hmm. I live on, you know, I, I, so I, in my heart of hearts, believe this is the last uncut gem. And I believe that if we can change the mindset of people, uh, that we can start to chisel away to make this a beautiful, beautiful diamond. Back to your um, marble. Right. Um, there are some fundamental things that plague Baltimore, that plague west of MLK. But I don't think they overshadow uh, the beauty and the potential that we have. Uh, because the things that I'm talking about plague all of Baltimore. You can go to Mount Vernon and find a methadone clinic. For sure. The only difference is, is that the building they go to and looks much, much nicer. <laughs> you know, so I think with that being said, if we can change the mind, and it's some, it's some marketing things that are done. So let's, like, like I said, I, I, I speak for Washington Boulevard because I'm there. In 2017, they changed the zoning code. Uh, one of the things that they changed inside the zoning code was that all the houses on Washington Boulevard are dual use. Really? Mm-hmm. So commercial and residential. Mm-hmm. So you could use them. I think uh, if mm-hmm, up up the main corridor, to my understanding, I I, I might be a little wrong, but I I, I believe that I'm 100 percent right. So similar Up to, like, a, around Cross Street like and Hamden. Hamden. Yes. Oh, well, I mean Phelps yeah. also, but yes. it's the... So, I believe if they would market to a budding entrepreneur to say, you can, hey, you can have this work-live situation, you can have a lot of people coming in to start businesses, cut their costs, and change... Uh, the fundamental direction of the neighborhood. People go to neighborhoods for the business. I don't care what nobody says. You know, nobody wants to. You didn't go to Fells or Fed Hill to go look at houses. You went there to eat. You went there to drink. Mm-hmm. And then while you were there eating and drinking, you rode around while you were looking for parking. <laughs> and said, oh man, these look nice. I would like to live. I would like to walk to the store. I would like to walk to the bar. Mm-hmm. So bringing businesses west of MLK is the fundamental key in having a abundant abundant because then what happens is because you have a business uh, and I have a business then our businesses feed each other sure rising tide raises all yeah. ships someone mm-hmm. comes out and gets a tattoo they want to walk into the backyard and get a burger or they want to get a burger and a drink while they wait to get their tattoo for the record listeners we do not sell burgers you know oh I'm sorry but yeah <laughs> so I'm just saying you know for instance so they, they, they you know that's how it works. And the more we can become abundant in businesses coming west of MLK, it will help all of us. It'll uh, even help you if another tattoo shop comes in. Because then... Oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. <laughs> no but, 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 it, but it would if, if, if across if southwest shop. Baltimore, uh, right? So, I think skate, skate but, and bike shop for but sure. But it doesn't have to yeah. be complimentary because you're... Because no, listen, I'm just joking. I, yeah, me too. But I have a lot of tattoos, right? right, right. And they, I have different styles and I need different things yeah, based yeah. on what I want. So if I want a style of tattoo that you cannot prom- provide oh, for me today yes. and I know you're here... 
then I now know that when I when I want your style mm-hmm. or your art. Your client is your client, and yeah. we we believe that. So you're right. So like Miami has a tattoo shop every uh, ten steps. But you're it's only going to help because now we've become a destination for that. Yes. And so you know the unfortunate thing is we've got three restaurants around here, and we're two of them, and one of them's yeah. not a restaurant, right? So yeah. one sandwiches. I don't want to be the only restaurant in this neighborhood. I want six more. Yeah, because yeah. when their customers come and they be like, they'll they want like look at parking because I don't like, like burgers. They'll say they'll say, oh snap, look at the backyard. That spot looks cool. Let me when we come back down next time, we're gonna try that spot. I mean, yeah. that's what that does. So if we could get more businesses here, um, I think that would. You know, I don't want to say the word because I think I'm gonna say it wrong, but I think that would change it. You know, at a fundamental level. And also, let me just say one thing real quick, and I know that we have to probably wrap up a little bit, but this is one of the most integrated neighborhoods in Baltimore Mm -hmm. still, right? Oh, a thousand percent. And it is old school black, old school white, new school whomever, right? Mm -hmm. We've got nurses. If you look on Pratt Street, these are six-generational black-owned homes. They're not mm-hmm. going anywhere, and they don't want to, and they shouldn't ever. Yeah. Across the street, I got two. I got the Hatfields and McCoys, old white families that just every once in a yeah. while. They definitely look like Hatfields and McCoys. You said just it. Beat each other up. That's right? hilarious. It's ridiculous, But it's like, but everybody embraces, and, and at the end of the day, we all look at out for each other, right? Nobody's trying to displace anything like they did before. Like the, I know the G word is the most negative word when it comes to development. Wait, gentrification? Yeah. And people don't really understand what that means. They use it, you know, nobody wants to be gentrified. This neighborhood has no, we just want businesses here. Right. Yeah. We just, yeah. we don't want to be gentrified. We just want, want to grow. Want some yeah. people here. Right? And we yeah. want people and some business. Right. And, we have, people. and we have people here, but when our, when our, when our <laughs> neighborhood leaves this neighborhood, mm-hmm. To go drink, to go eat, to go yeah. shopping. Yeah. Right? Why are you leaving this neighborhood? What is it? West of MLK, once again, just shitty ass plug. But no, we're plugging, baby. We're plugging it. But once again, why are we not providing? You live here. I live here. Yeah. Everybody in this room Man, lives listen, here. I would love to get something to eat after 6, 7 o'clock. Home style. And not have to either Uber eat or mm. or leave. I mean, that like you're right. That's the fundamental thing. Like, listen, man. Going out to a neighborhood should be, another neighborhood should be, uh, it should be necessary. <laughs> you, you, I mean, even date night. No, we should you be able to have saying. date night here yeah. in Southwest Baltimore. I mean, yeah. and, and yeah. in my honest, honest opinion, like I think the street should be lit better. Oh, mm-hmm. for sure. <laughs> uh, I think we should have yeah. more businesses. Uh, that way, if I want to come over to to the uh, backyard from from Washington Boulevard, I don't have to drive. You can walk. You know, I can walk because mm-hmm. it's well lit. It's other businesses. Uh, I feel comfortable knowing that other businesses and people are out. Yep. But when you don't have those things, like you said, when you don't have those things, we all know how Baltimore is. Yeah, you, you got could people be in a, hanging out in the alley waiting for you to walk by. But that's yeah. everywhere. Yeah, no, that's everywhere. It is everywhere. But if it's well, what I'm but saying, if it's no light, not so much the crime. But Baltimore's not a place where the wealthy and the rich are divided by uh, uh, the tracks, as they used to say back in the days. Not the other side of the tracks. No. You could be on a five hundred thousand dollar block. Turn one corner and be yep. in the tracks. So why are we the tracks? Why is why is MLK become the proverbial tracks in in the mindset of Baltimore, and we just the, well, the we end had, game well, is to get us out of MLK was 
created to divide that. Red line. Yeah. Yeah. But we have I to mean, change. Washington yeah. Village, they, they plowed right through it. Yeah. yeah. We have to change the mindset. I mean, gentrification only happens because of mindset, you know. I, I watch it all the time, man. You'll watch a dude go in the corner store and get something to eat. He'll finish his bag of chips. And if he's in Pigtown, he'll throw it on the floor. If you've seen that same man down in Federal Hill, he'll go and get the bag of chips. And he'll hold that bag of chips so he's so got he gets to quit. Trash can. Because it's the perceived understanding yeah. of value. Mm-hmm. We have to change the mind. The only reason people can come in and gentrify a neighborhood is because people see less of their neighborhood and other people see value in it. And they can exploit it. But if you see value in your own neighborhood, it doesn't take anything to pick up the trash. It doesn't. It's fifty dollars. You can get a bucket of paint and paint your house. You can make where you live nice. And then we don't have to worry about people gentrifying it. And then you're now paying four hundred thousand. Like, let's be honest with you. What is the difference? And I say this all the time. I swear to God, I say this all the time. What is the difference in the houses in Federal Hill? In the houses in Pigtown or 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 right here in Holland's Market, what is the difference? Fundamentally and structurally, they are the same. Mm-hmm. The difference is the mindset of the people who live there. 100%. And if we choose to stop throwing stuff on the ground, not not just that, <laughs> but like no, that that mentality, looking at them to measure our value, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that's what's happening. We're we want to get closer to Federal Hill because we're measuring them as we're measuring them as being of more value. Yeah. If yeah. you can look at your own that. home and see value, the there, then you don't have there. to look over there. So, so then what happens is you take pride in what you have. Like I'll even say that like when the snow hit, I'll come out. I'm blessed to have bags and bags of salt. When I'm shoveling. I'll throw the salt of mine and a few of my neighbors. You know, you have to have that type of mindset and have that type of love for your neighborhood. And if you can change that, even if you live here now and you've had hard times here, if you can change the mindset, if you can close your eyes and then reopen them and see the own value in the place that you live, then gentrification would never be an issue. I don't think it's going to be one of the reasons why I live here. One of the reasons why people said don't open businesses here. And we said, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Is because we saw a sense of community in here. And we saw the, 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 the more of the I don't give a shit what color, mm-hmm. gender, mm-hmm. age, whatever. So mm-hmm. the core is here. Right. Oh, a thousand percent. Right. So that's why we're here. That's why you're doing what you do. That's why you guys came to, to Big Town. That's why we came to Allen's Market. There's the, the core values and the core, there's always going to be all the issues that we've discussed and touched on, plus a million more. That's every city, though. But it's every yeah, every right. place on the planet, yeah. right? We're yeah. human beings. But more so, you know, we could have had the opportunity and you could have had the opportunity as entrepreneurs to open anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. We chose something and we're building something. So we're here to discuss why why we did it and we did it here for a reason. Like, and it's, it's a very beautiful, beautiful place, man. And you are right. It is the last vestige of we have something so unique here. Mm-hmm. We, we've forced nothing out. We've not let anything forcibly come in, right? How do we, on the same plane, take all of that and then mm-hmm. make everybody else know that's happening? Yeah. Right. I, I mean, and we have to stand up too, man. I, and I'm not even... Forget all the outside forces, even inside the inside forces, man. You have to. I mean, people have come. I'm not a. Per, I'm not a shy person. I'm not a. I'm not a person 
Our entire listenership thinks you're shy. So, like, if I see somebody hanging on my block and I see them doing whatever they're doing, right? I'm going to go up and I'm going to say, yo, what's up? And I'm like, bro, this is not what's happening. You know what I'm saying? I ain't even trying to fuck your shit up, but you got to figure out a better way. And I feel like more people got to be like that. If you want to be honest, if you want to change some of the things that people fear, you, you can't be shy. This is just not for the timid. So I paid a lot of money to live here. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, it, you know, it might not be the Taj Mahal, but it's the Taj Mahal <laughs> to me. So I love my home and I love my place and I want to keep it nice. And people have, I ain't talking about calling the police. I'm not talking about none of that. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about, listen, you got to be on a fundamental human to human communication level with everybody around you. You know, you see somebody leaning. Yo, bro, wake up. Time to get up, homie. Yep. Keep it moving. Yeah. You you get what I'm saying? That ain't yeah. nothing. That ain't that ain't nothing. And you have to have that type of attitude to get the neighborhood moving in the way we want to get it moving. I mean, that's just my personal opinion. I mean, every I know everybody's not like that, but no, that's for me, I'm like, hey, brother, you yeah. got to You got to move it along. You know what I'm saying? I'm not hating on what you want to do. You can get, you know, high giraffe ass, but that's that's on you. But you ain't gonna do it right here because I got a business, I got a home, I got a son, and you know you can keep on strolling. And I think if more people coming in, and more people from the outside took on that attitude to say, "Hey, we're not really trying to displace you, but you got to be a productive person in this society, you know, in this neighborhood," and we carried it like that, uh, then I think things would move a lot better, like a lot faster, and I think people would. You know, see the value, and that's in the value in that. That's my, mm-hmm. you know, my personal, my personal opinion. No, I agree. I'm gonna, um, okay, two, two seconds. Yep, okay. just to kind of piggyback, you know, one thing, uh, you know, while trying to do like community organization and coordination and all that kind of stuff, one thing that keeps coming to mind with trying to, like, enhance, like saying redo, but like enhance the pride in one's neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Like I always go back to this one saying that my stepdad used to say. He's like, I know when you're a hot mess because you don't make your bed in the morning. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the same. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You get yeah, where right. so right, it's right, like, right. all right, so mm-hmm. I'm not asking you what to do internally. Mm-hmm. So internally, yourself, your soul, but like mm-hmm. maybe make even your in bed. your house. Make your bed. Yeah, make your bed. <laughs> but yeah. what about, we We think about like the bed is in like our, our stoop. Yeah, yeah. The, between us and the neighbor. Yeah. Um, You know, around the public library on, on Washington Boulevard. So it's yeah. like, make your bed a little bit. And then yeah. little by little, every day, then, hey, you might actually brush your hair tomorrow. Yeah. You <laughs> might, like, you might iron yeah, your shirt. Yeah, 100%. You might 100%. wash all of the laundry. Like, whatever. Yeah. It's yeah. that little bit by little bit. Yeah. Like, I remember Southwest Partnerships did this thing where it's like, what is it? Uh, from the stoop to street. Something yeah, like that. I it was like the 10, like it. Yeah, 10 yeah. feet from the street yeah. to the stoop. Something mm-hmm. along those lines. Though, though I think without... Um, stressing out the residents of any neighborhood of what's going on not only in the city but mm-hmm. then the state and then the country but letting them know you don't gotta wait for all that mm-hmm. you don't like many of us just you can do little by little take yep. care of your stoop take care of your neighbors salt it shovel mm-hmm. it pick it up pick the weeds Listen. next day hey I'll, I'll take your garbage out you know what i mean mm-hmm. i'm already there yeah. it's a staircase it's little, not an elevator Right. And it's like it's like a little shuffle too, you know, yeah. and it's like a little tangle. Like how do we how do we start doing those little things while then the other folks who have the capacity to go to the city, to go to the state, to go to the 
whatever bigger sure. things. But I think in the neighborhoods, it's just like yeah. looking to the right or left. Inwards too, looking to the right or left. What's up with their neighbors? Take care of it little, but little, little steps at a time. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, honestly, for me, going back to the old, what's the Jersey boy doing here? You know, that's what <laughs> that's what attracted me to Baltimore in the beginning. When he lived up there on like eleven forty two Washington Boulevard, and I used to come twelve eleven twelve eleven. I used to come <laughs> in the winter time, and I worked the t shirt booths in uh, all the malls, and uh, I was like, oh, I like this neighborhood. Everybody's mm-hmm. friendly, there's community yeah. style, brotherly love. No piggyback on Philly. Uh huh. I took it. At the end of the day, <laughs> it was those neighborhoods that made it attractive. Like, oh. Big town. Yeah. Oh, I'm going yeah. to Mount and, Vernon, or yeah. and and the, that's what reminded me. I've been in Baltimore ten years now, born and raised in Miami, and that's what we're. That's that's why I love fell in yeah. love with Mount Clair. Yeah, big town as well. It, it, it's it's just a, like real sense of community and neighborhood, mm. and a lot of the stories I got was you know folks when they were younger that were in Mount Clair or Big Town, if they were caught East Side or if they were caught even Locust Point. Somebody will, some old lady will walk out and be like, I know your mother. I'm going to yeah. tell her. Yeah. And I know where your grandmother's at. I know that. what bar your dad's at. I'm going to tell him you were over I here mean, without we permission. That. We so, do that now. So I'm going to cut you off for two seconds because we ought to end on two things. One, you waited until we were supposed to be wrapping up time to start talking. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Is that? <laughs> right? Because he, he's been trying to shut me up this yeah. entire time. Yeah, and then, exactly. boom, you start talking? No. Next time, next time you're coming back, and this is going to be the alpha, the yin and the yang. I'll come back and I'll give it a year. Second of all, we have not had yet a sexual innuendo, so you need to say something, something, so I can make a joke about it. Oh, I don't know. He he said, "See, the first pod, the first podcast podcast ever." He's going to want to talk about the shape of the microphone. So so he's the thing is like we need a hook because this is our second episode ever. I don't fucking know how to podcast right this is just an idea that we came up with to make the world a better place so i was like we need a hook because he's gonna run it so i was like all right the hook's gonna be every time it's like that's what she said kind of mentality right oh yeah but he gave me no opportunity he's been the entire podcast not giving me the the lob up knockdown shit right i'll I'll step up next time (laughs) so two things as we wrap up here we had a late entry into the conversation so please introduce yourself Hey, I'm Megan Cardoso, and I am a Southwest Partnership neighborhood resident and work out of Pigtown. Okay, thank you, and, and thank you for your contributions. I think uh, very thank good. Thank you, guys. Um, any last words about your shop? Tell us the address. Um, hey, and any specials you got. Go ahead, Don. Go ahead. Plug it up, Don. Now you started talking. All up. right. Plug it up. Bit, so bit, bit. come check us out right here in Pigtown Main Street on Washington Boulevard, 801 Washington Boulevard, that's our barbershop, the Canvas CNVS Lifestyle Array, as I like to say, where you get a great retail experience from Canvas Cartel, and also we can get a good haircut. If you want a custom t-shirt design or hoodie, come see me. You can go to our website, thecanvascartel.com. And if you're looking for the best damn tattoo shop in Baltimore, there's only one located on Washington Boulevard in the coolest neighborhood in Baltimore, Pigtown. That's 783 Washington Boulevard at Rip Canvas. Look us up online, R-I-P-P-D Canvas. Mm -hmm. Ripped Canvas at all media platforms, social media. Come check us out. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. 
Thank, Thank you, you guys for having me. I had a good time. Yeah. Big time. Thanks again for listening to West of MLK Revealing Suibo. You can find us on Instagram at West of MLK and on Podbean at westofmlk.podbean.com or look up West of MLK Revealing Suibo on Spotify and Apple Podcast apps. Thank you.